Welcome to the Sun Striders podcast. Walk talks for our free health and fitness community program to include educational talks with doctors, health coaches, and fun trivia topics. Brought to you by your insurance agency. Welcome and thank you for joining us for this week's session of our Doc Talk, uh, Healthy Sleep with Dr. Laura Addis. Hello, everybody out there. Um, if you're new, thank you for joining us. If you're returning, thank you for returning. It's much appreciated. My name is Carla. I am the Community Engagement Representative for Partners in Primary Care. We are a senior-focused healthcare organization. Uh, we've been around for 20 years. We're new to the Las Vegas market, um, so we love doing these. Um, for over 20 years, our value-based care has offered a unique healthcare experience that addresses the social behavior and financial needs that often impact a person's health care. Partners in Primary Care offers a holistic approach to care, and our care team members truly care about individual needs for our patients. We offer at our new clinics that are going to be opening here in Las Vegas, six this year, this fall actually, and two early next year. One very close to here. Uh, we're going to be offering shorter wait times. Who doesn't love that? Longer doctor visits and even same day appointments. So with all that being said, uh, we're going to bring one of our lovely doctors here to do this week's Doc Talk of Healthy Sleep. Uh, she's at our Spring Valley location. Um, and before we bring her up, just make sure if you have any questions, please type them in the chat box. So once again, type all questions in the chat box. Okay, so that being said, let's bring up Dr. Laura Addis with Healthy Sleep. Thank you. Hi there. I'm Dr. Laura Addis. Hi there. I'm Dr. Laura Addis, and I'm an internal medicine physician. Some of you have met me already, and those of you on Facebook have not met me yet, maybe. But we're going to be talking about healthy sleep. And healthy sleep is actually something that's challenging for most of us. It's hard to get our lives on a schedule and hard to get a good night's sleep at times. Even myself, I suffer from this. Um, just to do some of the housekeeping, if you have any questions, as we had mentioned, please save it towards the end and type it in the chat box there if you're online with us or you can ask me here in person. Um, also, if you hear anything today during our lecture, that inspires you to change your lifestyle or your diet or your exercise program, please talk to your primary care doctor before you do so. Today's class will be about 30 minutes long. And if you have a cell phone with you, please turn it to the off or silent position. Um, and like we said before, we might be talking about some things that might want you to have conversation with those next to you or around you. Again, please keep it to the minimum and save the questions toward the end. So in today's class, we're going to be talking about sleep and how do we improve it. Um, initially, we'll be talking about why sleep is important and why it matters so much to us and what happens when we don't get enough sleep. From there, we'll go on to discuss the stages of sleep, which is very important to understand because that will help you understand what every cycle does and why it is important. Um, from there, we'll go on to some sleep challenges like sleeping, trying to sleep when you're stressed or when you're in pain. And then we'll wrap up the class with some tips for a better night's sleep. 
So according to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute's page, they have a page called At a Glance, Healthy Sleep. Good sleep is absolutely essential to good health. Having one or two nights bad sleep in and of itself is not a bad situation. However, this occurs over a prolonged period of time. It can lead to other problems. Um, People who frequently don't sleep well enough are less alert. They're more likely to get involved with motor vehicle accidents. They have a harder time concentrating, um, difficulty making logical decisions, and problem solving. You probably notice that your mind isn't very sharp if you've been tossing and turning all night, and that is exactly what we're talking about. So it's no surprise that sleep-deprived people have more trouble remembering than those people who get enough sleep. And that's especially important in our senior populations because we already are dealing with some memory and cognitive issues sometimes. And if they're not getting enough sleep, that actually compounds the problem. Um, Poor sleep is also linked to various medical conditions such as heart attacks, strokes, high blood pressure, diabetes. So again, constant lack of sleep deprivation and depression, they kind of start to feed off of each other and cause physical problems in our bodies. People who don't sleep well are also more likely to be overweight or obese. Um, The lack of sleep can lead to increased hunger and appetite. And it's because your body's hunger hormones don't shut off because you're not sleeping. They're still going. So it seems to stimulate your appetite, if anything. And it stimulates cravings for high-fat type, high-carbohydrate foods. And that's something that'll get us into more trouble, especially if we start having it in the evening or late at night, because we're not moving and burning it off. So now you probably realize getting a good night's sleep is important. But here's an important question. How many hours does it actually take to have a good night's sleep? And that varies from person to person. Some people can get by, as I mentioned in my talk a few weeks ago, some people can get by with as little as three, four hours of sleep a night. Some of us need eight or nine hours. It seems the average is about seven to eight hours, however. Um, What we do try, one recommendation that we're talking about is finding out how many hours you choose tonight. The best way to do that is to do a two-week sleep vacation. And what that entails is going to bed at the same time every night, no matter what. Let's say it's 9 o'clock that we've set as our time. And do not turn on your alarm. Go to bed at 9 o'clock. See what time your body naturally wakes up. Do this for two weeks. The first week, you're going to have some unusual fluctuations in your sleep cycle. But after the second week, your body starts to acclimate, and you will start to see how much sleep you truly need. And that's a good way to tell what your individual body needs. All right. So let's talk about the cycles of sleep. So there are really five stages of sleep. And... Each one of them is important in different ways. In stage one is when we're actually starting to fall asleep. That lasts about 20 minutes. And sometimes as little as four to five minutes, depending on what has happened in our bodies and during the day. But that's when you're starting to relax, you're starting to fall asleep. 
And it's only about four to five percent of the time that you spend at night sleeping. That's not really where anything's going on. The second stage of sleep is stage two. That's where your respiratory rate, your heart rate, and your body temperature start to come down. During this stage, you're lightly sleeping. This actually occurs for about 40 to 55% of the night, so the bulk of your sleep is done in stage two. Now, in stage three and four, these are the stages where our bodies really are getting the most bang for the buck, if you will. During the stages of four and five, it doesn't last as long, so but it's a deep restorative sleep. And during these stages, this is when your memories are being imprinted. This is when you are making memories, things that you've encountered during the day, your brain is processing and putting it into the memory bank. This is also where your body's cells are starting to repair themselves. So this is the restorative sleep that we all need that a lot of us don't get. And last but not least is our REM sleep. And a lot of people probably have heard of REM sleep. That's the rapid eye movement part of our sleep. And that's actually a very small percentage. It's only about 20% of our sleep. But during this phase is when we're dreaming. And for those of you who say, I don't dream, maybe you're not getting into that sleep enough. Let's see more. So for a lot of people, our sleep patterns change after we're 55 years old. If you're a woman, this is not on the slide deck, this is off the record, but it's true. If you're a woman, it actually happens earlier due to hormonal fluctuations and menopause. But Average age 55 is when we start having decreased ability to get sleep and stay asleep. So a lot of times people think they're going to need to take medications or a couple of shots of alcohol or something to help get them to sleep. And yes, it does get you to sleep. However, you don't get to stages three and four. You go to one, then you go to two, and then you're back up again. So you're not getting the stages three and four that your body needs to restore, recharge, and the cells to regenerate and to form memories. And you're not even getting into the REM sleep. Let's see. That's, I know we're going to talk about sleep apnea, but I'm not quite there yet. Let me see if this slide does go into that, because I know if it doesn't, I'm going to go on to that myself. Yeah, these are very busy slides this time, so. All right. I'm going to just talk about it, and if we come back to it again, then we'll know we went through it. But a lot of people, and I do recommend if you are having trouble sleeping, please, please, please talk to your primary care doctor. It's not because you need to ask for sleeping pills, but your primary care doctor is going to ask you other questions like, do you snore? Are you tired in the morning when you wake up? Do you wake up in the morning with a dry mouth? Are you overweight? Um, these questions and others that they have for you will help us to decide whether you might have sleep apnea. And sleep apnea is a disease process 
where we don't sleep well. We're not getting oxygen during the night due to a couple of various reasons. The most common reason is usually obesity when we have extra tissue in our neck and it prevents us from keeping our airways open during the night. When that happens, our airways tend to collapse. We don't get enough oxygen intake during the night. And what you wind up hearing is, that's the snore, the air trying to get in. When the air doesn't get in properly, we're not getting enough oxygen for our brain. We're not getting enough oxygen for our heart and all the muscles and tissues in our body that need oxygen. So what winds up happening is we get high blood pressure. We can have heart rhythm problems. We can have heart failure can even have sudden death in the middle of the night. So I strongly recommend if you're having sleep difficulties, do discuss it with your primary care doctor so we can screen out for that. Um, Okay, so let's go back to what we can do to get a good night's sleep. The best thing that we can do is remember what you're doing during the day is affecting what's happening to you at night. So if you're having a cup of coffee at three or four or five in the afternoon, that might affect how you sleep at night. I do know people who tell me they can have a coffee before bedtime, but that's the exception. The other thing is don't exercise two hours before bedtime because that creates an adrenaline surge in your body. And this way your body wants to stay awake. Some people will tell you the opposite, but for the most part, avoid exercise before sleep. Don't eat at least three hours before sleep. Not only will it affect your sleep, but it will help prevent you from gaining weight because when we eat right before bedtime, we can gain weight. Plus, we also have a higher increased risk of acid reflux. So another reason not to eat late. Try to do some relaxation techniques to reduce anxiety and calm the mind. That could be meditation. It could be prayer. Um, create the perfect sleep environment. What that means is get rid of all of light in your bedroom. So get some blackout curtains. And if you need, you can wear nightshades. But if you have an electronic charger next to your bed where your phone sits on, turn it backwards so that light, that little green light that you have doesn't keep you awake. Any electronics that you have, make sure they're turned around. Better yet, turned off. Keep them out of the room unless you absolutely need them. You want it to be a sleeping environment, not where something's going to keep you awake. And some people actually have to use earplugs because noise distractions can prevent them from sleeping well. All right. Now, sunlight. Sunlight is something that regulates our circadian rhythm. And it tells us when it's daytime, when it's night. And it works through a chemical that you may have heard of called melatonin. And we sometimes will tell people to use melatonin to help them sleep. It helps them reset their sleep cycles. We don't tell this to everybody. Again, ask your healthcare provider if it might be a good option for you or not. But the best way is to do it naturally. So when you get up in the morning, within 10 minutes of getting up, go outside, get some daylight. Let the light shine on you. And what that will do is it'll snap your brain and it'll help your chemistry inside the brain start releasing melatonin and say, okay, it's daytime now. This is when we need to be awake. That's the first thing. Cut out or eliminate or cut back on caffeine and nicotine. Both of those things keep you awake. So we mentioned caffeine before, but not a lot of people realize cigarettes 
can keep you awake. Plus, if you're a risk, just stop smoking. <laughs> just don't smoke. Make sure you get a lot of physical activity. Um, while all types of activity are good for you, aerobic ex exercise seems to be the best in helping you to sleep well. And that's moderate aerobic exercise, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, three times to five times a week for about 30 minutes on average. Again, when you start an exercise regimen, check with your healthcare provider to see that you're able to start that and that you can do something that's not going to tax you too much. As far as napping goes, believe it or not, there actually is a proper time and a place to take a nap. So what we try to tell people is limit your naps to 15 to 45 minutes. This way you'll still stay in the light sleep stage. You're not going to get into the deeper restorative stages. However, if you do go longer than 45 minutes and you wind up falling into a deeper stage of sleep, what winds up happening, and I don't know if any of you have seen it, but I know it works in my case, if I wake up an hour or two afterwards and I've been in a deep sleep, when I wake up, you know, it'll make you feel worse than when you went to sleep. So short naps, because if you sleep longer than 45 minutes, you're also going to risk cutting into your nighttime sleep cycle. And then you're not going to be sleeping at night. So keep them short, call them little power naps, and then get on, get up and get on. And also try to nap early in the afternoon. The later, of course, that you do it, the later, it affect, the more it's going to affect your evening sleep. And nap in your bed. Don't nap on the couch or your easy chair. Because you want to train your body to know that the bed equals sleep. You don't want to try to have sleeping occurring elsewhere. Since we're talking about sleeping occurring elsewhere, I'm going to divert from here for a minute. Um, going back to the sleep apnea, <clears throat> I don't know how many times I've seen people fall asleep in my exam room. And it's not because they're waiting there a long time. They're waiting there for like two minutes and I walk in and they're out. Or I'll be sitting at a red light and I look over and I see somebody nodding off behind the wheel. Now, it's probably happened to most of us at a time when we were maybe sleep deprived or jet lagged. But if this happens to you on a regular basis and you're tired during the day and falling asleep inappropriately, definitely, definitely, definitely get in touch with your primary care doctor because that's a sign that you might have sleep apnea. All right. So. Um, we talked about setting a regular bedtime. Our brains like normal structure and routines. So when you set a regular bedtime, you'll start to notice about 30 to 45 minutes before your regular sleep time, you'll start to feel drowsy. And that's exactly what we want to do. All right. All right. So I briefly touched on meditation, that guide that I mentioned, How to Sleep Better, that's printed by the American Heart and Lung Association. Meditation is a great way to de-stress yourself and help you sleep better. And there are different ways of meditating. You can find a class that'll help you learn how to meditate. You can do it online. It might be as simple as just repeating a word or a phrase, which is a mantra. And like in yoga, we say, om, om, 
Um, you can say, I choose peace. I choose peace. I choose peace. I choose peace. I kind of like to usually, what I'll usually do is just sometimes grab my Bible and open it up. And wherever I happen to open, I find a line and I just fixate on that paragraph and just read it a few times. And I'm usually ready to go to sleep too. It's kind of like a mantra. So it's a way of meditating. I touched on how to do progressive muscle relaxation last lecture. That also does work and it involves tightening and releasing each muscle from head down to your toe. Um, just on or get for free on online the because we got so much going on in our minds and that's usually what keeps us awake a little trick for that is when you go to bed at night keep one of these little sticky notes or a little sticky pad or some sort of a pad next to your bed write down anything that's on your mind it could be anything could be golf tee off at 6 a.m. It might be a big meeting event that you have. It might be an illness of a family member. Whatever it is, just put it down and then leave it there. You can revisit it in the morning. But once you put it on paper, that's your signal to your, your brain's body to put it off, put it on the back shelf. Now you can clear your brain to do other things, try to get to sleep. Um... Another thing is write down accomplishments that you did during the day. Don't just write things that are negative. Write things that are positive. Say, I had a wonderful meeting and a wonderful talk today over at Caravas Insurance and had a great lunch over at so-and-so. Oh, and I'm so glad my dog is better. Think of the positive things. Be thankful, and that helps keep your inner body at peace so you can get to sleep. A lot of people have trouble getting back to sleep once they fall asleep. They wake up, they go to the bathroom. Again, if you're waking up a lot to go to the bathroom, talk to your primary care doctor. That's something else that might need to be looked at. And when you are talking to your doctor, they're probably going to also look at medications that you might be taking that can cause you to not sleep well. But anyway, let's say you get up in the middle of the night, though, to use the restroom, and now you can't get back to sleep. A lot of us have that problem. So if you find after 20 minutes that you're still sitting there and laying there and not going back to sleep, give it up. Get up, go into the kitchen, pour yourself a glass of water, go do something else for a few minutes. Give yourself about a 20-minute break, go back up into your bedroom, and then try to sleep again. That usually does help. As a matter of fact, I had to use that technique myself last night, so... It does happen. All right. We talked about the environment. Oh, we didn't mention about keeping your room at a cooler temperature. And I know some people will have challenges with this because husbands and wives like different temperatures. But the ideal sleeping temperatures are 65 to 72 degrees. And good luck getting that because I don't know about anybody else's household, but if it were up to me, I would be at 70 degrees. My husband likes it at 78 degrees, so I'm usually getting up and turning down the thermostat, and he's turning it up. You can buy cooling blankets 
We have cooling blankets that are available now, so you can adjust your body's temperature. If one partner likes it hotter, you can cool it down, or vice versa. They can open the window, put on the air conditioning, you can put on a heating blanket. But try to get to that 65 to 72 degree zone. We talked about noise. Uh, mattress comfort. Uh, sleeping on the wrong or an old mattress can actually cause sleeplessness and body aches and pains, and that can prevent you from getting a good night's sleep. So remember, not all mattresses are created equal, and it's a matter of personal preference. But any mattress store these days will let you go in, lay on it for a while, spend a few minutes, toss and turn, find one that's a good fit. But if it's old, it's lumpy, get rid of it. Uh, let's see. Again, if you're having trouble sleeping, talk to your doctor. Always talk with your doctor before trying any supplement to sleep. There are a lot of things on the market now. Everybody's trying to make, there's the sleepies, which is, contains melatonin and diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl. Um, so sometimes those things, even though they seem to appear safe because you could buy it over the counter. Benadryl can interfere with some medications that we're on, especially thing. well, they can interfere with medications. So I'll let you talk with your primary care doc about that. Um, I think that's about it. Let me see. Yeah, we're good on time. Any questions from the live audience? Sure. Well, it's there are hormones in our body that actually cause that hunger pattern to keep going on. And it's the same hormones that cause it during the daytime, too. But when we're up, our body doesn't know that it's time to shut off. So it's still occurring and you're still craving that at night. So when it comes to sleeping, how many hours? You know, you know, you said four stages of sleep. This are five. So it takes five out, five stages of sleep. Yeah. How many, is there a certain time, length of time we get into those different phases of sleep? Yep. How much sleep do you get into those? Well, the stage one is about 20 minutes. That's the light stage of sleep. The second stage of sleep is stage two, and that's probably the of where we spend our sleeping time. It's a lighter stage of sleep, but we're already lowering our respiratory rate, our heart rate, our body temperature. That accounts for about 40 to 55% of our sleep during the night. So that's the biggest chunk of time. Stages three and four, that's the one that we really need to get into. That's that rebuilding. And that's only about 20% of our sleep. And then there's the REM sleep, which is the fifth stage, which is the rapid eye movement stage. And that is a much quicker stage. It doesn't, it's only, it can go up to two hours. And in answer to the question, how much time do we need? We're all different. Some people can dive right into that stage three and four sleep in 20 minutes. You know, some people might take hours for them to get there. So that's why I had said, if you really need to know how much sleep your body needs, give yourself a two-week sleep vacation, and every night go to bed at the same time, and don't set the alarm clock, just wake up when your body naturally wakes up. At the end of the second week, 
the last few days of that, you, that's going to show you where you really need to be in terms of hours. The first week or week and a half, you're not going to get that because your body's still adjusting. Yes. So I would get the artery and the thing having two sets of REM sleep, like fall asleep on the couch, you know, all three down, wake up, go to bed and do it again. Well, the question was, is it bad to have two stages of REM sleep? Um, falling asleep and then waking up and repeating it again. That that's go yes, it's not good. Um, so what we want to do is, if we're going to take a nap, it's probably best to just, like I said, limit it to a shorter period of time so we can try to avoid getting into that deep sleep. However, if you go there, that's what your body needed to do, you know. But if your body is needing to get into that deep sleep and that REM sleep. And it happens so quickly, then maybe we have to ask, why is that happening? It might be a good question for a primary care doc. Um, but I, you know what? How many times have you fallen asleep, woken up in the middle of the night of a dream? And you know you're in REM sleep because it's a dream. You try to put that dream aside. It's a nightmare or something. Someone's chasing you. A lion is chasing you. You wake up. I'm like, okay, there's no lion chasing me. I'm fine. You're back to sleep, and there's that darn lion again. He's chasing you again. So you actually picked up right where you left off. I don't know if that's a bad thing. That's a good question. I'm not an expert in that area. So that is a good question to ask your primary care doc. Yes. Five stages of sleep. I only got four. Stage one. Stage two. Stage three and four, we're kind of grouping together. So that's why it sounds like four. And, and REM sleep is five. So, yeah, we kind of group those together. And we can delineate it a little bit more if it was a different type of a talk where we talk about delta waves, alpha waves, which waves are happening and what's going on at each stage within it. But we're going to kind of keep it a little bit lighter. Any other questions? Let me see if I have questions here. I don't. Any live questions from the Facebook people or my webinar people? No, okay. Well, I think that's about it. And as I was introduced, I'm Dr. Laura Addis. I'm over at Partners in Primary Care. Our office is on South Decatur and Flamingo. We're, our office is now open. We just opened our clinic today for the first time, and we're seeing patients. We're going to be officially open next week. But the cool thing about Partners in Primary Care is we offer a unique approach to senior-based medical care, and what we focus on is the person and the patient. We have a care team that works integrated involving the doctor who leads the group. We have nurse practitioner. We have a behavioral health specialist social worker, um, pharmacist, center administrator, medical assistants that all meet together every single morning and discuss which patients are coming in that day. What are we doing for that patient? How can we work together as a team? So it's a very unique delivery model of care. And we also have a wonderful, big, I hope some of you can come visit us. We have this great activity center that hopefully we'll be able to utilize. But right now we have a lot of virtual events for our seniors so they can engage with us through Bingo Online or 
various other events. So keep us keep posted and hope to see you guys all soon. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Oh, you still on? Oh, no, you're off. I'm on the webinar. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Laura Addis, for that amazing presentation. It was informative and definitely educational. I definitely need a sleep vacation. I don't know. I think everybody can. Um, so a couple other things uh, just to go over really quick. Um, if you like these, be sure and check in next week, same time, same day, for strategies to fight depression. So make sure you register for that. Also, if you liked what you saw today, Dr. Laura Addis is amazing. But if you have any questions, please be sure and check with your physician. Um, these are just general guidelines. And also, if you have any questions about partners in primary care, you're free to contact me directly. Once again, my name is Carla de Blasi. I'm the community engagement representative. Um, there should be a slide with my information, but if not, just in case, you can contact me directly. My number is 702-460-9130. Once again, in case you got to go get a pen. 702-460-9130. If you'd like a tour, uh, come check out our New Spring Valley location. Say hi to Dr. Addis. Um, you can call me and I'm happy to set that up for you. So if you have any other questions and also last but not link, <laughs> um, be sure you will get in your email shortly a survey. Please be sure and fill that out and send it back. It is greatly appreciated. Hopefully we can do more of these for you. So thank you, everybody. Thank you again, Dr. Laura Addis. Thank you, everybody out there in the webinar world. And thank you all for joining us today. Signing off. Thank you. Bye. Not sure where to sign off. For more information about the sponsors and topics discussed here today, please visit our website at yianv.com forward slash Sunstriders, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sunstriders.